Hello, and welcome to the Transformation Stories podcast. My name is Adia, and I'm the host of this series, a series created by the Adornment Stories Collective. Make sure you're going to adornmentstories.com slash podcast to learn more. This week, I am very excited to have Sade Pitlele on the show. They are a makeup artist and a past participant of the Adornment Stories program, the series of workshops that we conduct every year. And they will be discussing how they use makeup and its transformative process to tell stories. Uh, they've worked on a few different projects with Adornment Stories in the past, including a video essay on Afrofuturism. We kind of talk a little bit about that. They've done a Q&A for the blog. Uh, so I'll link some videos and some additional information in the show notes if you're curious to check that out. Uh, they've also worked with Nia Zamar, which is sort of the sister company to Adornment Stories. Uh, so I'll link some information about that below so you can check all of those out. Uh, I'll even try to link the virtual exhibit of the past projects uh, that the different participants have done um, for the Adornment Stories program. I'll link those as well so you can check out uh, the virtual exhibit of Sade's art, um, digital artwork. Um, so without further ado, we'll dive right into the interview. Let's get into it. All right. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. I'm excited. I feel like I've been like waiting on this podcast, excited for it to drop um, for a while now. So thank you for, yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so why don't we start with some introductions? You can tell everybody your name and sort of what you do. Just give a sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Sade. Um, uh, I am a, I guess, I guess I do a lot of, th- like many people do a lot of things. Um, so in that same way, I do, um, I'm a makeup artist. Um, I do specifically focusing on creating makeup based content as opposed to doing makeup um, is more like a client based uh, thing, but I've done a bit of both. Um, I also do uh, makeup-based workshops and education, so kind of like the basics of makeup and how it connects to self-love and self-expression. Um, and I'm also, uh, I work as a intern assistant uh, over at Adornment Stories. Okay, great. This is great. Uh, very, yes, very millennial to have like so many different avenues of <laughs> like work. Eight right? titles. <laughs> <laughs> just one thing. <laughs> it's like we're not special. It's like you have eight titles. Everybody has eight titles. It is what it is. You're right. If your resume is eight pages long, then what? What are you doing, really? Right. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So we can dive right in. Um, we actually did a Q and A with you um, for the blog uh, last year, which was fun. So this is sort of. Uh, I guess a part two in a sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I guess like a part two, like an audio part two. And I feel like, um, a lot of the stuff that I kind of talked about in the Q and A I've built on, because it was a while ago that we did it like a year and a half ago or a year ago. So definitely I feel like uh, I'm excited because I feel like there's more to add to this one. I mean, yeah, like it's not like anything's changed right in a year and a half, no big major (laughs) events, nothing, nothing new. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't know nothing, nothing really different. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, well, we can start with um, where does your creative process sort of start? Where do you get inspiration as an artist, as a makeup artist specifically? Yeah, for sure. For me, um, it's it's a lot of uh, like 
like the baseline of it is just seeing things on Instagram and then that inspires me and then I kind of base it off of that but I think um, more broadly it made me realize that um, a lot of art is based on inspiration so like I think before I was kind of always trying to recreate everything kind of like from my own brain um, almost as if that was kind of like that's more like authentic or like that's more real and I think what I've realized is that um, a lot of people kind of just like gather inspiration from like when you're moving through the world and moving through Instagram or whatever like um, I'll see something that kind of like spurs me and then not necessarily like copying it perfectly but I think having that um, having that like constant like thread of inspiration for me has been really helpful in my in my own practice. Um, so yeah, I would say Instagram. Occasionally I'll see things in real life, um, but I feel like it's mostly Instagram. And I think I've also set up um, my own, like I guess like Instagram feed or whatever people have, like it doesn't have to be like a specific platform, but just something where you engage with it a lot. You're constantly seeing like um, work that you want to do. And I think that I've set up my own Instagram in a way where there's this constant inspiration for me to kind of like get started because I was definitely falling into um, kind of like a very difficult like artistic trap of like like I don't know what to do like I don't know where to start like I don't have any ideas like almost like the well running dry so for me like the creative process a big part of it is getting inspiration from other people and intentionally creating um I guess basically like kind of like a well or like a constant like interaction for me with things that with like like uh, inspiration for the art that I do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense actually I think um, it's important for artists to look at other artists, right, to get that inspiration. And it's not always, you know, pulling directly from life, but um, from the people who kind of see that world in that artistic way as well. So that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, what is your favorite part about the transformation process? When you're, you're doing a look, you're putting things together, what's your favorite sort of part of that process? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. I guess it's kind of, it's hard because I feel like there's a lot of favorite parts, but I think maybe I could like point to like a feeling or a specific like piece of the transformation process for me, um, which I think applies to like the work that I do in makeup, but I think can apply to a lot of different um, forms of art where it's kind of like, you're not like quite finished, like you're still doing it. But the moment I think for me, when I feel like I look at like what I've created so far and I'm like close to being done but um there's still more work to, to to go but I kind of see where it's like oh this is coming together I think that moment of like this is like what I had in my head in the beginning of the day when I started this makeup thing like I started this like look um up until now like this is gonna become what I wanted it to be Come. And I feel like in a way that's almost more fulfilling than like the very end for some reason, like that feeling of like, it's like you're almost like on the horizon, the potential of what it could be. And there's still last touches like you don't almost like that feeling of like, you don't know what it's going to turn out as. And I think for me, there's a sense of being like, even though I have um, a baseline idea of what I want, and I think most artists can like have felt this way where it's, you have an idea of like what you want your end result to be, but the, the journey to that end result of transformation, um, like just kind of takes you in different directions, you start adding things you didn't think you were going to add, you start like adjusting things. But the moment where I feel like I'm coming to the end, but I'm not quite finished for me is my favorite piece. Wow, that's really, that's an interesting point actually. It's almost like, it's almost like a climax in a sense, right? Like of, of a story where you're at that peak moment, but um, before you hit like the resolution where you, you just see everything like coming together in a sense. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's like not the end of the story. It's not the end of the movie. So it's, a, it's not like that final like, ah, uh, and then there's that wrap up. But it's kind of like 
the biggest piece is like it's happening in that moment maybe that's what it is it's, it's just very like exciting it's it's very like fulfilling and i think that the end is very satisfying and very like like oh i'm done but there's something about that moment of um like the potential of the, of the end of like what it's going to become that is just so exciting to me yeah i love that actually um actually it that kind of leads into one of my questions is would you consider makeup a form of storytelling and, and how so yeah, I guess I've, I've asked this question too, and I feel like I um, I think about it as, I guess that there's, my first thought when I read this question was like the kind of the more obvious or like um, like idea of makeup and storytelling, which is like kind of like cosplay or costumes or things like that, which I get a lot of inspiration from, um, from my own work, even if I don't do full, um, maybe like costumes or entirely like recreating a character, I really draw from the idea that like, makeup is supposed to kind of at least bring a story to your mind like it, it even if like it's not telling even if you have a story that it's trying to tell um when people see it kind of like any other art they create a, a story of kind of like what like, i guess what they're visualizing so when i think about cosplay or costumes or like had halloween or whatever when you kind of create a look people look at you and they they almost know they not only they, they, know, they not only know what you are but the different pieces the small details that you put into it all work together to create um like a story i think in in that person's mind so i guess for me i was trying i was kind of struggling with um how the two things connect because i knew that they do they do connect um but i guess i never really thought about it but i think the first thing that came to my mind was like was things like costumes um and i think what's nice about more like costumey makeup for me at least that it's more costumey but isn't necessarily like a character that people recognize or even a character that exists it's just kind of creating something is that people have an idea of what i was going for but they can kind of like imprint their own story on a look i guess an example of that would be um i remember one time i did like a a makeup look where i painted myself blue and i kind of like i guess became like an alien kind of thing and i painted um like moons and stars but also just kind of like things that are reminiscent of makeup that we wear now like kind of like brows like lips things like that and when people responded to that when i posted that photo and people responded to it i just got a variance of like what people thought that this character was. Um, and I guess in this moment, I'm realizing that it's storytelling and that like it creates a character. And I think when we see characters that don't have like a backstory to themselves that we know, we kind of create that. So I think it's, I guess my, the pieces that I'm, as I'm kind of like, I'm going a bunch of different directions with that, but I think my main takeaways or like my main thoughts around storytelling, um, makeup as storytelling is, um, it's really useful in creating almost like characters or otherworldly beings that we're not used to seeing in real life. And the story kind of comes from that character, what you are trying to exude from that character, what people kind of take from that character, what they, what they perceive it as when they see you. Yeah, I think that actually does make a lot of sense. Like there's, there's more to it behind, or, or it's what the audience is also um, adding to the, the look and also where, where you're pulling that look from all those elements kind of shape a, a story and a character and a, a direction for the the look itself, right? Mm. Yeah. So um, speaking of 
sort of storytelling and like that makeup process and that journey, you developed a video essay on Afrofuturism where you talked about the history and relevance of that genre. Um, what was it like to take on that kind of project? Because in a sense, you really are telling a story literally with your, you know, your voiceover kind of uh, explaining the process of the look and why that look is relevant. So what was it like to make that kind of project happen? Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was definitely exciting to take on that project because I think it's something that I had an interest in. Like, I feel like I really like the idea of Afrofuturism. I didn't know much about it until the past couple of years. Um, but I think when I learned about it, excuse me, it was something um, that I, I knew could be like um, applied to like, yeah, like makeup and aesthetics because there's other um, examples of Afrofuturism. Like there's definitely books, um, films, just like just schools of thought, um, music. There's so many different ways that like Afrofuturism is expressed through art, but I feel like makeup and adornment is a really important part because it, it brings that element of storytelling that we just talked about um, to the idea of blackness in the future and what blackness um, imagined in the future can look like. Um, I think that for me, what was, um, what was like really exciting and interesting is that like there were pieces that um, I, like learned about Afrofuturism and tried to put in the look that I did for the video, excuse me, that were around kind of like both storytelling in terms of the future, but also in terms of the past. So when I think about like the look that I did or Afrofuturistic looks that I tend to see, they bring a lot of elements of, I guess what we think of as like traditional um, black and or African kind of like aesthetics. So like kind of like face paint, um, bright colors, patterns. Um, and it's kind of, I think the, the Afrofuturism piece is really interesting because it not only to me made me realize that um, Afrofuturism and, and as an aesthetic um, with makeup and adornment not only tells a story about the future, but it also brings in elements of the past of who we were and who we are today. Um, so I guess like, yeah, when I think about like the storytelling question that you asked, that's a really good example of makeup as storytelling, um, where it's bringing in like one continuous story um, and conveying that visually with the body. Yeah, I love that. Um, are there any kind of other projects or genres that you'd want to tap into to kind of do that sort of similar, um, I guess, video essay type format? Like if there are different, um, maybe genre you would pull into next if, if you were if you were thinking about it? Yeah, I guess I had thought about it. Um, recently, uh, Adorm Adornment Stories did um, uh, a Black Joy retreat, um, which you were also a part of, um, where I, we gathered different um, like Black artists and educators um, to kind of create spaces of like Black joy and like artistic creation. Um, and I did uh, a makeup tutorial for that um, that event um, that focused kind of on like the ways that we've used makeup and adornment as resistance in the past and also how we've used makeup and adornment as black people for um, self-expression. Um, and one piece that I learned about and something that I, I'm, I feel somewhat connected to is um, like the, the idea of like, I guess what I think of, or I think many people think of as like as African face paint, um, or like some people, it's also known as like tribal paint or like kind of things like that. But I think I more, I just think of it generally as like African face paint. Um, and my mom is South African, half South African. So I feel, I felt connected to it in a way of, I know it's something that I see or something that like when I visually see, or when we, we went to South Africa, I would see people 
wearing um, face paint and things like that, but it was generally more like um, like more traditional areas, like kind of like rural areas where people live more traditionally. It wasn't something that people in the cities really wore. And I think I've always had this connection or like understanding that like face paint is a part of many African cultures, but without a real understanding of what that meant or like what the differences of different parts of Africa are. So when I did um, my makeup tutorial for the retreat, I kind of did more research into what, do face, what does face paint mean for different groups? Um, what is it trying to convey with color, with shape? And I think I got like a very base level understanding because I, I didn't do it too, too much research, but I got a base level understanding of more how um, we've always used, I guess, like paint color like body adornment and in, in specifically as uh, paint and color like similar to makeup um as a way to tell a story um even like certain lines certain shapes they convey a meaning in different areas because of different materials even like that would also play into the end result of the looks and the the, the visuals that um came through in their face paint so to answer your question i think i'd really like to do a deeper dive into that for my own reasons as a sense of being like i know that face paint is part of my own, I guess, like media culture because of my mother, but then also um, realizing that I didn't have any real understanding of it. I've always seen it as a very like, oh, it's just face paint. Like I know people wear it. I don't really, I see it at, at Afropunk and things like that, but I don't really have an understanding of where that came from. And so I think what I would like to look into is using video again to really dig into that story and, and like really deeply and find more nuanced understanding of what, um, what like, like painting and like um, body and face painting have meant. Um, yeah yeah okay that makes a lot of sense i'd be interesting to see um and and sort of speaking and leading into that um educating through through makeup you you actually started doing workshops for nia's mar which is sort of the sister company i guess you could say to adornment stories mm -hmm. um how has that influenced your creative process if at all do you find you know teaching it makes it any kind of difference in, in how you think about that or I think it does I think teaching it is I really enjoy it and I didn't I guess I um before kind of leaning into workshops or being and finding opportunities to do workshops I was um dabbling with the like using makeup in a way of of more client-based like business so kind of doing people's makeup for them or um like kind of seeing if that was like an avenue that I wanted to do because it, it made a lot of sense to me at the time where it's like oh you like doing makeup you do makeup that people seem to enjoy people want to do that makeup I mean they don't have like they haven't practiced it in the same way or they're not drawn to practicing it in the same way so they have they maybe don't have have like the ability or the tools in their house immediately to do that makeup so maybe it makes sense for you to offer um like your skills in that way but I think what I was finding was there was always that uh disconnect of what a person wanted versus what I thought that they what I what I wanted to provide basically like what the things that I wanted to paint and the creativity of that and so I was finding a lot of I guess like blocks in that way of kind of wanting to recreate a look on somebody but then kind of doing it in my own way and they had their own idea of what they wanted out of um, the look so for me teaching it as opposed to doing it on or for someone felt different and felt felt like more um like what I actually what I wanted to do because I kind of I like having the freedom to kind of do like the makeup that I want on my own um face and sometimes the pressure of 
creating something for somebody else can feel very uh, like daunting for sure. And I think a lot of makeup artists deal with that. And I think it's a really, um, that's what, that's part of what makes it such a difficult like field is that there's these, this disconnect between what you can create and what you want to create and what the person is thinking in their mind of what they want to, to look like in the story that they want to tell. It's two different stories. And I think for me, workshops and webinars allowed for my story of the face, the, the, the makeup that I'm doing for my own face and for myself and imparting um, like how I do it to somebody else and then seeing them recreate that own story um, for themselves is actually, it feels more true to what I, what I like and what I wanted to do as opposed to trying to find a middle thing for both of us because that's what I was finding um, doing makeup was for me, it was kind of trying to, both of us trying to compromise with a person in the chair doesn't like they can't control the makeup that I'm doing because they're like in here they're in the chair and I'm like doing their makeup so it's kind of it is what it is but then I'm also not wanting to go fully into what I want to do because I also want to make sure that they get what they want whereas with the um the workshops I felt like it was more like I'm telling you my story and like how I do makeup and giving you these like skills or tips and then you're taking that and creating what you want from that information as opposed to kind of trying to find that middle ground if that makes sense yeah that actually does make a lot of sense it, it gives uh, people the freedom to take what they want from the experience that makes sense for them while you still get to maintain the creative um, idea that you were attempting to translate in the first place. So yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what advice would you give to aspiring makeup artists, you know, people who maybe want to check out those workshops or want, don't know where to start with um, look, creating a look? Yeah, I think, I guess the one major piece of advice that I think got in my way, um, for sure, in the beginning, and I think it's in a lot of people's way when I talk to them, is that it's it's okay, it's like kind of removing the pressure from it. I think makeup, especially now, um, I would say maybe like this past decade, like the tens or whatever, has been a very big um, like explosion of makeup, uh, like makeup tutorials and makeup like influencers and makeup products even, just like there's so much more, we see it so much more often. Um, and I think that's great in a lot of ways. I think it means we have access to different kinds of makeup that we didn't have before. Like we have access to more creativity that, and like more freedom to do kind of like what we want because it's just like more options and more um more resources or pieces of education that people can use to get started like for me i didn't really go to beauty school or makeup school or cosmetic i didn't do any cosmetology based program i kind of just taught myself with um with youtube because when i was in high school that was kind of the beginning of like the the youtube uh i guess like makeup blogger kind of thing um and in a way, I feel almost uh, lucky in that way that that was kind of like the time that I came up in because it was a time where we still had access to um, like the tutorials and some of those pieces of information, but the piece around kind of like trying to sell something hadn't really come in yet because it was new. Um, whereas now, especially when I work with people who are a little bit younger, who maybe um, came up in like a time where there was already an established like makeup tutorials are a thing, they're a money maker, like there's a ton of tutorials there's people who are influencers and like they're known for doing makeup and I'm following them sometimes I think what happens in those situations is it's great that you have so much more access to different kinds of makeup and different kinds of education but I think what happens for a lot of people is there's this intense um, pressure that they put on themselves that they have to do it in these ways because there's a there's already kind of like the set standard of like you have to contour in these ways and these are the videos that you contour in and like this is how you apply lashes and you have to apply lashes and like the, this is a, a good like company to do palettes in and I think what that does is I think it almost creates 
too many options to where it overwhelms people and they feel like, oh, well, there's all these things and I don't know where to start. And it also creates, I think, um, a feeling of, um, uh, I, so you, I guess, yeah, so the first thing was that like, you have to get certain things, you have to do certain things, but it also means that like, because it's a bit more profitable for companies to sell makeup, there's kind of a push of, you have to do things in this way and you have to get all of these products. And if you don't really know makeup that well, it's kind of hard to sift through what are the things that I have to do or that I feel like makes sense for me. And what are the things that I actually want from my, from my makeup look? So I guess I go into that because it's, I think what I, but the advice that I give is, to just take the pressure off and also to it's okay to start slowly with a few things um and i think that helps both with feeling overwhelmed by the process but i think it also um is useful because you are not spending a lot on things that you actually don't want or maybe you're spending a lot on eyeshadows but you realize like i actually don't like applying eyeshadow i don't want to wear eyeshadow at all um or i'm spending a lot of money on contour kits or things like that and it's like i actually don't care about contouring i mainly want to do like blue face paint like like i think starting off with a few small things and kind of and also the the last piece of advice that i would give is thinking about like the aesthetics that you want and instead of focusing on tutorials focusing more on finding pictures or images or pieces that you're drawn to that you really want and then honing in on those as opposed to maybe finding really general tutorials around doing your makeup amazingly or like like kind of finding the things that speak to you and then focusing in on content um, around that. And I think that for me, um, when I learned those pieces around focusing into the things that I want, going slowly and being okay with that with a few products and um, like not um, kind of like, I guess uh, not necessarily like feeling like I have to do all of these steps because that's just what I've been taught is is how we do makeup, I really was able to really like enjoy the process more and to, um, it also like helped with feeling overwhelmed and definitely helped like with money because makeup's expensive. Like this, it's, it's like, there's a lot of makeup out there. And, um, and that's the last piece too, is that like makeup does not have to be the most expensive thing ever, especially now that we're in a time where, because there are so many products, there are many products that maybe they're advertised like this is way better than this one because it's more expensive. And I don't necessarily think that's true. So that's the last piece too is, within your budget, don't feel like you have to overextend yourself both like stress-wise and money-wise to engage in makeup. You can just start wherever and that's okay. Wow, that's actually really great. Okay, thank you so much. Um, where can people reach you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, on Instagram, I'm at sade.makes.art. Um, Instagram did take my old account, so there's not much on there right now. It's definitely a starting from scratch. <laughs> after everything was taken from me on Instagram. Um, but definitely feel free to follow me there. There will be more makeup content coming to that page soon. Um, I also, uh, you can definitely find me um, on adornmentstories.com. There's work that I've done um, there and also like ways to contact me through that. And that, as well as uh, miazamar.com um, because it's also, that's where I do um, a lot of workshops um, and just like create content uh, through that platform. So those are the three places you can find me. Great. And I'll, I'll make sure to link those for people to get easy access. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been great. I've had so much fun. You're going to have to come back for sure. <laughs> we just got in a year because, you know, maybe things will change. Maybe they won't. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like based on this year, I feel like they probably are going to change again. So 
yeah yeah you'll have more to teach yeah. more to talk about it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll be fun thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to see like what other guests you have and listen to other podcasts i've been really excited for this podcast to um to like begin and like to be able to like to listen in so i'm so excited to see future episodes and thank you so much for having me Absolutely. Me too. I'm, I'm having fun seeing it come together as well. So I can't, I can't wait for everybody else to get to hear them. So <laughs> <laughs> again, we'll have, we'll have to have you back soon. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you. All right. That concludes our time. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow Adornment Stories on Instagram and Facebook at adornment.stories and head over to adornmentstories.com slash podcast for more details about the podcast. We will see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye.